hated. You see, this is a very startling passage, a passage that should awaken many a person to their true relationship with God. In no uncertain terms, this passage declares just who the children of God are. So let's dive into that. Verse number six. You see, right here we have God's word. We have God, his promise has not failed. See, God made a glorious promise to Abraham. You remember Abraham the covenant? Remember when God made a covenant? He made an agreement with Abraham, and he said, Through you I will bless all nations. Your your, your descendants will be like the sand on the seashore. It'll be like the stars in the heavens. And, And that's a pretty good promise, wouldn't you agree? But then it took a while. How many know there's always a time frame between the promise and the fulfillment of the said promise? And it's during that time, it's during that process that you learn more about yourself and you learn more about God. And there are some things that maybe are revealed in you. There are some things, John, that might be taken out of you. There are some things that God wants to put into you during that process between the promise and the fulfillment. Any of you in that process today? (laughs) Any of you got some promises from God and you're like, whoa, I love these promises. Well, don't you love when when God uses people through the the gifts of the Spirit to speak words of prophecy over you? You know, like, John, wouldn't you love for somebody to say, oh, God's going to bless your business. It's going to be the best taxi service in the whole parish and blah, blah, blah. You love that, right? And then tomorrow you don't get no phone call. Tomorrow, you you just sitting there and you're not getting no calls. Wait a second, God, you gave me a promise. But there's always a, a time between the promise and the fulfillment of the promise. It's during that time that you have to trust God. It's during that time that you can't get ahead of God. You know, so many times we worry about lagging behind God, and we've seen people do that. But I've seen just as many people get ahead of God. I've seen just as many people become impatient. Obviously, if you know the story of Abraham, that is a story of impatience. That is a story of, well, I have a promise from God. Maybe God needs my help. Let me make a statement. Make sure this is on. God does not need your help. Can I say that again? I'm preaching better than your amen. God does not need your help. Okay? Now, am I saying there's some things that God doesn't want you to do? No, there's things He wants you to do. He, Whatever His Holy Spirit tells you to do, He wants you to do. But John, God doesn't need you to fulfill His promises because He's God. He's made promises. He's decreed things, and they're going to come to pass. But there's always a process. How many in here like process? That would be nobody. Okay? We don't like process. We love promises. We love fulfillment. But we don't like the process. You know what? We Pentecostal people, we really don't like the process. Okay? Because what we like are suddenlies. Okay? Acts chapter number 2. And suddenly the Holy Spirit descended. And suddenly they were healed. And suddenly something happened. You know what? God is just as much in the process as he is in the sudden. By the way, I don't know who I'm preaching to because I've been off my notes for a while now. But somebody who's in the midst of the process, who's between the promise and the fulfillment of the promise, needs to be reminded today that God is just as much God when the promise is given as when the promise is fulfilled. He does not change. You need to make sure you don't change either. Or if you do change, you change for the better. You see, guys, we always have two choices during the process. You can become better or you can become bitter. I've seen both happen. I've done both myself, okay? One of them is very profitable for the kingdom. One of them is very nice to watch. The other one, not so much. 
Okay? But guys, it's during the process that God wants to draw you closer to Him. That God wants to show you how big and how strong He really can be. So again, God gave Abraham a promise. Okay? And what was the promise? The promise was as Abraham would follow God, God would give him a seed, a son through which a great nation would be born. He would become the father of a great host of people. That's a pretty good promise, okay? That's even better than the biggest taxi service in town. By the way, if you need a taxi, call John. Okay? Shameless plug right there. Okay? But, but, but God gave Abraham a promise, and Abraham was like, that's a good promise, God. And then also God said, that he would cause all nations to be blessed through his seed. Guys, every one of us who have come to faith have been fulfillment of that very promise from way back then. Because how did we come to faith? By putting our faith in Jesus Christ, who is of the seed of Abraham. So, so again, guys, this is a promise that is still being fulfilled today. Scripture says that Abraham did exactly as God said. He believed God with all of his heart. He followed God, not knowing where God would lead him. You remember that? When it said he left his nation, and he was just going wherever God would tell him. Boy, that takes some faith. How many of you here like to have some direction? How many of you here like to know what the next step is? I'm the same dude, okay? I know, I know sometimes I feel like we're flying by the seat of our pants, but I really have some plans, okay? I like to have some, some details from God, okay? Um, but, but Abraham, all he had was a promise. All he had was, you take a step of faith, and I'm going to honor that. And boy, did God honor that. So note a real significant point here. All the promises of Scripture are based upon this single promise to Abraham. What do you mean by that? You see, it's this. If the promise made to Abraham is void and done away with, then all the promises of God's word are invalid. Think about it, guys. When you catch somebody in a lie, you start to question everything they say, right? You ever caught your kid in a lie? Don't lift your hand. We know it's true. Okay? We always catch it. John, I know mom ain't here, so we, we can pick on you, okay? You ever told mom a lie? Oh, yeah. Okay? And, and you think she figured out a few of them? Yeah. Okay? You know, I mean, stuff happens, okay? We parents know stuff, just, just, uh, you know, you could hear this. Parents, we know stuff, okay? Um, but here's the deal. When, when you hear a lie about something, when you catch somebody in a lie, you start to question everything they say. Wow. What is this a lie to? But, but, so here's the deal. All of God's promises hinge on this promise to Abraham. Because if God's promise to Abraham is null and void, his promise to you may be null and void as well. But guys, here's the good news. God's promise to Abraham is still applicable today. God still has plans for nation Israel. God still has plans for a remnant of, 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 of believers for nation Israel. And he still has plans for you and me as well. Well, Pastor, what if I blow it? Oh, wait a second. We're about to get to the part where Abraham kind of blows it. Okay? We're still dealing with the effects of Abraham blowing it. Can I get a witness? Okay? You, you wonder what's the problem in the Middle East? Abraham's impatience. Okay? But it had a lot to do with Sarah. Okay? No offense, Sarah. So, okay? But it had something to do with Sarah. We'll get to that in just a second. Okay? But think about this, guys. All of the promises of God are hinging on the promise to Abraham. Because if God breaks his promise to Abraham, who's to say he won't break his promise to you? 
But God never broke his promise to Abraham. He kept his promise to Abraham. And if he kept it to Abraham, he'll keep it to you and me as well. Amen? God's word and his promises never fail. In light, in, in light of this, there are two things that make some people think the Word of God has failed. You ever met somebody who questions the Word of God? I meet them all the time, okay? I have family members that question the Word of God. They think I'm still going through a phase. It's a long phase, 25 years, okay? But they think I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm whatever, okay? So think about, uh, think about this. Israel rejected God's Son, Jesus Christ, when God sent him to earth. Ever since that day, very few Jewish people have turned and followed Christ. Where is the nation that God promised Abraham? Think about that for a second. Where is that nation that God promised Abraham? Secondly, the Gentiles, you and I, are the ones who are following God through his son Jesus Christ, not the Jews. Therefore, it looks like God has turned from Israel to the Gentiles, okay? That is not the case. We do not believe in replacement theory, okay? We do not believe that God has replaced the Gentiles, has replaced the church, has replaced anything with nation Israel. He has a plan for nation Israel just like he has a plan for you and I as believers, okay? There is a plan, and both of those plans are good plans to prosper and to bless and to, to take care of. These two facts cannot be denied. They are facts of history. So how then can God's word and promise to Abraham ever be fulfilled? Have God's word and promise failed? Is God's word now invalid? Forcefully, Paul declares that God's word has not failed. God's word and the promises of it are effective and still valid today. God is fulfilling his promise to Abraham. A nation is being born to Abraham. A nation which is the true Israel and the true children of God. Remember the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter number 5, verse 18. He says, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till it all be fulfilled. He repeated this in Luke 21, 33. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall never pass away. So who are the true children of God? The true children of God are not members of a race or an institution. They are not all Israel, which are uh, they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. Many Jews believe they were children of God because they were born into nation Israel as an Israelite. They were reared in Jewish religion. The Jewish people reverenced God and His law and were known as a God-fearing and a religious people. Therefore, a Jew felt he was a child of God by being a citizen of Israel, a circumcised member of Judaism. Many Jews felt that God's promise to Abraham meant that every citizen of nation Israel was a child of God as long as he was circumcised and halfway practiced the religion of Judaism. But how many know it doesn't work like that? Okay? You see, the same thoughts have always prevailed among peoples of the world. Many people believe they are Christians because they are citizens of a so-called Christian nation or Christian institution. They think they are acceptable to God because they profess belief in God and have been baptized, becoming a full-fledged member of some church. Have you ever talked to somebody and you say, hey, are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. Okay? And then after about five minutes of hanging out with them, John, you realize their definition of Christianity and your definition, the biblical definition, are two entirely different things. You ever been around like somebody like that? 
Okay? You know, uh, people sometimes from other countries think that everybody in the United States are Christian. How many know that is not the case? <laughs> okay? This may be, almost said this is a Christian nation. It's a post-Christian nation, honestly. It really is. Okay? True Christianity, true belief in the God of the Bible, true belief in Jesus Christ, His only Son, is becoming a, a, a much smaller minority. But so many people just think because they're in the right place, they're doing the right thing, they're from the right family, everything's going to be okay. That doesn't work for nation Israel, and it won't work for you and I as well. You see, a person does not become a child of God by being a citizen of a particular nation. By the way, that should be good news for you, because I don't think any of you are of Jewish descent. Am I mistaken? Anybody in here of Jewish descent? See, aren't you glad that's not the case? If that was a requirement, you might as well call us the Lions Club. You might as well call us some benevolent association because we're missing the boat. But the good news is it doesn't matter what family you're from. It doesn't matter what side of the tracks you were reared from. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, John, it's going to be okay. That's the message I told my friend just one week ago. A man who had lived his life for himself his whole life, who'd done some things that were absolutely horrendous, but I told him the plan of salvation, and he accepted. Aren't you glad it's that simple? To simply accept by faith. So being a citizen of a particular nation, that doesn't play into it. A member of a particular religion or institution, no matter how true and how godly the institution may be, Guys, this is a shocker. Sit down for this one, okay? Being a member of White House Community Church does not save your soul, okay? Now, we do kind of look through memberships, Brother Don. We even vote on members, don't we, okay? And we do expect you to be saved, okay? We, I, I, as far as I know, we don't have any unsaved members. Some of you act it sometimes. No, I'm just kidding. Okay? But we don't have any unsaved members, okay? It's kind of a prerequisite for being, for, for, for being a member. But being a member doesn't save you, okay? Being, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a Big Mac, okay? Again, it's a good place to be, okay? There's some blessings that will come by just hanging out with the right people, okay? But going to church, even being a member of the church... That doesn't save your soul. Being a citizen of a great Christian nation and being a member of a great church like this one does not make a person a child of God. It is not an earthly nation or a material church that makes a person acceptable to God. John 1 says it this way in verses 12 and 13. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. What does that mean? It means you must be born again. Guys, you have to put your faith in the one who died for you. We have to make a commitment. We have to make a decision. Then we have to manage that decision by living for the Lord. So, verse number 7. The true children of God are not of any particular uh, parentage or heritage. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children. As stated, many Jews felt they were children of God because they were children of Abraham, one of the great servants of God. Remember who Paul's writing this, this, this story to. This is to the church at Rome, 
Many of them, Jewish people, many have come out of Judaism. They put their faith in Jesus Christ. And he's trying to teach them that, that, that it's your faith in Jesus, not who's your mom and daddy. And, um, and, and, and it's not those things that save us. I stated many Jews felt they were children of God because they were children of Abraham, one of the great servants of God. They rested in the godliness of Abraham, feeling that his godliness would cover them. They rested in the promises made to Abraham, thinking that the promises made to him would include them. Many Jews believed they were children of God because of their godly heritage. Now look, guys, there's nothing wrong with godly heritage. Praise God for godly heritage. Thank you for the, the heritage that the dangerous have established. Thank you for Sister Fisher and her heritage. Thank you for all those amazing, amazing things. I'm creating a godly heritage for my boys, okay? You know, when I came to faith, some of you have heard this, 25 years ago when I came to faith, I became the spiritual patriarch of my family. Ooh, John, that's kind of scary for a 20-year-old, <laughs> Okay? For a 20-year-old, I became the spiritual patriarch of my family. But then things began to change. And for 25 years now, I've been changing the dynamics of the Seneca family. Okay? And my boys now have a godly heritage. Okay? And I have the privilege of leading mom and dad to the Lord and me, aunts and uncles. So, so guess what? My boys only knew Papa is saved. They only knew the saved version. How many know the saved version is a lot better than the unsaved version? Guess what? The saved version of you, Don, is a whole lot better than the unsaved version. Nick, the saved version of you is a whole lot better than the unsaved version. I've heard stories, okay? The saved version of me allows me to be your pastor. The unsaved version. By the way, my buddy Ivan, when he comes to church, he can tell no stories about me, okay? Because when he knew me, I was a teenager and I was an idiot, okay? By the way, that is synonymous. That, that is synonymous because most teenagers I know are not real smart, okay? I might have been real book smart, but I was an idiot, okay? So he's not allowed to tell any stories. Kind of like my mama. It's basically the same rules with my mama, okay? When my mama comes to church, she can tell no stories about me because I'm your pastor. That would not help, okay? They'd be entertaining, but she can't help, okay? So again, guys, it doesn't matter what family you're from. It doesn't matter what your heritage is. Praise God for heritage. Create a new heritage. John, create a new heritage for your family. Create a new heritage for your family, Shana. Create a heritage now that your kids can look back on and be very proud of. But guess what? A heritage doesn't save you. Heritage doesn't save you. So here's the thought. Some are trusting their godly heritage to save them. Some in the church today are trusting their godly heritage. Too many are trusting godliness to rub off on them, to rub off from godly parents or godly spouse or godly friends or a godly minister. Few think that God will really reject them. They think that in the final analysis, God will accept them. They think that enough godliness will rub off on them from some godly heritage person or institution that God will accept them. But look at these words of caution in the Bible. Matthew 7 and 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Guys, let that sink in. Also, in Romans chapter number 2, the Bible says in verses 28 and 29, He is not a Jew 
which is one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. You see, guys, it's all about our faith. It's all about our walk with the Lord, okay? The good, for some of you, this is good news. God will hold your family against you. Woo! Somebody missed the shouting opportunity right there. There you go. Okay. I talked about the family she married into. <laughs> hey, look, some of you, some of you should be excited. Look, I've, I've done this before. You know, I've been in ministry now for 25 years, okay? And, um, and there, there have been moments that, that I've apologized for my family. I'm not talking about my wife. I'm not talking about my boys. I'm talking about extended family, okay? Because how many know you get to pick your friends, but you get stuck with your family? Okay? Can anybody relate? Don't lift your hands too late, okay? Because your family might be in here, okay? Nancy, just help the door right up here at the front, okay? Remember, that's who calls Sister Fish on, right? not me, okay? But, but here's the deal. I got good news for you, John. Your family won't be held against you. But for some of you that have a real godly heritage, your family's helped you as much as they can help you. It's up to each and every one of us to stand before the Lord with the faith that we have put in His Son, Jesus. So, guys, that's good news for some. It's it's unnerving for some. But, But here's the deal, guys. Each and every person is judged based upon what they do with Jesus. And see, that's what, you, that's what Paul was trying to teach the Romans. That's what he was trying to teach the former Jewish believers, that, that it used to always be about who's your daddy and who's your family and how does your lineage uh, come down. But it's not about that anymore. It's about a faith in God's Son, Jesus. So, let's wrap things up here. Verses 7 through 13 talk about the children of God or the believers of God's promise. And then they give two proofs. Number one, there is the proof of Scripture, of God's Word and His promise to Abraham. It says, In Isaac shall thy seed be called, verse number 7. And then this is cross-reference of Genesis 21-12. See, when God gave His promise to Abraham, when He gave His promise to Abraham, Abraham had two sons, Ishmael and Isaac. Ishmael had been born to a slave girl, Hagar. For decades, Abraham's wife, Sarah, had been unable to bear a child. Sometime after her childbearing years had passed, Sarah insisted Abraham attempt to have a son through her personal slave, Hagar. It is said from this physical union that Ishmael was born. However, it is only a few years later that God appeared to Abraham and told him that Sarah was to bear the child of promise, the very child whom God had promised Abraham when he first called Abraham. The point is twofold. Number one, the children of the flesh are not the children of God's promise. See, the birth of Ishmael was due to man's effort. He was born because Sarah and Abraham were trying to secure the promise by their own works. Ishmael was entirely the product of natural, human, carnal, and fleshly plans. Abraham and Sarah were trying to bring about the promise of God by their own efforts and works. God had nothing to do with Ishmael's birth. Guys, I want to challenge you. Between the time of the promise and the fulfillment of the promise, trust and wait on the Lord. 
I was talking to somebody last night on Facebook and, and just kind of struggling with decisions and struggling with believing God for a promise, believing God for an opportunity in a certain field of study, and, and it's just been waiting on, and, 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 he, and he's just discouraged. And I said, I would rather wait on God to open the right door than go busting down the wrong door. Think about that for a second. How many times in your life, because of your impatience, you walk through a door just because it was open? Guys, I've got news for you. The devil can open doors just like the Lord can open doors. But you've got to trust the Lord. You've got to trust that he's got plans and purposes for your life, and you've got to learn to wait. Now, how many of you are like, wait, that would be no Okay? None of us like waiting. I mean, if you go to a fast food restaurant and John, it takes more than two minutes for them to fix your Happy Meal, you ain't very happy. Okay? If you go to Taco Bell, why would you go to Taco Bell? Okay? But if you go to Taco Bell, I call it something else, but we're in church. I'm not going to call it. You go to Taco Bell, okay, and, 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 and you order whatever you order there. Why would you order there? I don't know. But if it takes more than a minute and a half to fix them burritos and tacos, you get all colicky. Okay? By the way, when you finish that Taco Bell, you hadn't seen colic yet. Okay? You will be real colicky. Okay? But here's the deal. we got to learn to wait on God. we got to learn to wait on God between the promise and the fulfillment of the promise. And because Abraham and Sarah got impatient, we're still dealing with the ramifications today. Because Ishmael was the father of what? The Muslim nation. All the chaos, all the craziness, all the jihadists, all the nonsense that we deal with today can be traced back to this act of, well, maybe God needs my help. Okay? Now, the good news is, your impatient probably won't cost us all like it costed, like it costs us with Ishmael. But it'll cost you. And it'll cost those around you. So, guys, let's learn to wait on God. Let's learn to be patient with God. Here's something I've learned. If you got to force it, it probably ain't God. If you got to make something happen, it might not be God. But when God's in it, ain't nobody stop it from happening. When you have a promise, when you have a faith in the Lord, John, nothing can stop you. When you're doing things God's way and you're consistently doing things God's way, you can't fail. Because so many times we want to try it our way. How's that working for you? So think about it, guys. We still deal with the, the fallout from this act of impatience. From them saying, how, did, how do you think that went? Let, let's use Bernie and Annalie as examples. Because they're kind of the same age realm as Abraham and Sarah. Well, honey, we had not had that baby yet. What do you think we ought to do? Well, I don't know. Hey, I got Hagar. We can maybe do Maybe that'll work. Okay, I'll try. And next thing you know, we have a problem. Okay? We have a problem. Okay? By the way, Bernie and Eddie did not like me using them as examples. Okay? But it's okay. It's all good. Okay? But here's the deal. What was done with Ishmael was anything but good. It's because they grew impatient. It's because they thought that God had forgot about them. Some of you in here are wondering, has God forgot about you? No, he has not. He is faithful. He kept his promise to Abraham. He even kept his promise to Abraham after this goof up. Okay? You would think that God would say, oh, what are we going to do with these two? Okay? But he still kept his promise. Why? Because he had promised. And 
all of God's promise hinge on this promise. If God makes, if God breaks one of His promises, they're all null and void. But God has never broke a promise, and He don't plan to start on you. But God, I just want to remind you: don't grow impatient. Wait on God. I would rather wait on God to open the right door than to break down the wrong door. Ishmael represents all who seek the promises of God. That is to become children of God by their own fleshly works and efforts. Guys, we are not saved by our works, okay? We're not saved by our good works. Now, is it good that you do works? Absolutely. Once you get saved, you need to serve in the church. You need to serve in the nursery. You need to help in happy church. You need to do all the things that we want you to do, okay? But that doesn't save you. Just like coming from the right or the wrong family don't save you, working for the Lord don't save you. Ephesians chapter number 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. Not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. The second thing we need to remember is the children of the promise are counted for the seed. You see, Isaac was the child whom God had promised to Abraham. This means three things. The promised child is the seed through the promise through whom the promise was to be fulfilled. The promised child was born miraculously by the grace of God. Okay? As I use uh, Bernie and Emily as examples, they're kind of in the same age demographic of, of, of Abraham and Sarah. Those kind of folks don't have babies. Okay? We're probably not going to have a baby shower for Sister Annalie. Okay? That would be awkward. Tell me if I ever try to put that in the bulletin and say, Pastor, you might want to think again. Okay? We might want to get Bernie on the phone, find out how all that happened, okay? But but look, that doesn't happen. That normally does not happen. Ninety-year-olds do not have children. But if God says something can happen, is anything too difficult for him? Nothing. Nothing is too difficult for them, for him. So, guys, we just need to be reminded that we have to trust God, and we have to wait on God. The promised child was born miraculously by the grace of God. Abraham and Sarah were about 100 years. Bad example. They're too young. They're too young. Can't use them as an example. These two cats were about 100 years old, and they had a baby. Crazy, huh? The child of promise was born through faith. See, a person becomes a child of God through faith in the promises of God. A child of the promise is a person who believes the promise of God. A person who does not seek to secure the promise by his own efforts and works, who follows through on his belief, waiting upon God to fulfill his promise. I close with, I'm sorry, there's one more proof in Scripture. But I want to remind you of the words in Hebrews 11 and 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder. The Amplified Version says he fulfills his promise to them that diligently seek him. And then the second proof of Scripture or God's Word is the promise to Rebekah, where it says the elder shall serve the younger. You can go home and read that story in Genesis chapter number 25. It's talking about Jacob and Esau. Okay? Back in those times, the older always received the greater blessing. The oldest in the family was always the person that everything went to. In fact, when everything was split up, they got a double portion. There was, it was always about the older. Okay? But God said the younger, the, the older will serve the younger. And then it worked out. You can go and read that story. It's a, it's a crazy story. But it also tells about the providence of God. 
And if God says, I'm going to bless you, can't nobody stop that blessing, John. And if God says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. If God has given you a promise, how many of you here have been given a promise by God? Look at hand. Come on now. Come on. You've been given a promise by God? Loved one's salvation? A breakthrough in your family? Some, something you've been believing God for? I think every one of us have promises from God. Between the promise and the fulfillment is the process. The waiting. It's during that waiting that you've got to walk by faith. It's during that waiting. I close with this story. Remember, I told you 25 years ago, I was a spiritual paper. My family, I got saved. And, and Nick, I remember we had an evangelist who was talking to us about creating a list of loved ones that, that weren't saved yet. Well, that was easy for me. Okay? I mean, just like my Christmas card list. Bam, 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 bam. Okay? And here's the deal. He told us to pray over them every day. You wonder where I got the idea of praying 2 Peter 3 and 9 over folks? That dude right there. Okay? I started praying over him, though, and I started praying the promises of God. 2 Peter 3 and 9 is a promise from God. It says that God is not slack concerning his promises, but long-suffering, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. So those of you that are believing God for, for salvation of loved ones, 2 Peter 3 and 9 is what you need to pray over them. So I began to pray over them. I began to believe God, and guess what? They got worse. Ooh. I remember one time my mama said, hey, boy. By the way, when your mama says, hey, boy, okay, that's, that's kind of, ooh, 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 ooh. change your moment, okay, hey, boy. Two things we ain't talking about. We ain't talking about politics, we ain't talking about religion. Okay. How's the weather today? You know, again, but she got worse. But here's the deal. Between the promise and the fulfillment of the promise is the process. And you've got to trust God. And I kept trusting God. And I did whatever God told me to do. I remember one time we had a death in a family. A, a, a young person that got hurt offshore and died tragically. And I wrote my parents a letter and just, again, just did whatever the Lord told me to do. Long story short, I had the opportunity to leave my mom and my dad to, to the Lord. And in fact, Nick, if I, I, I can show you that list. It's in my other Bible. Everybody on that list had personally led to Jesus. Except for one. Except for one. And he just totally rejected me. <laughs> totally rejected me. And, and, and even, I mean, he was in his 80s, okay? And he was kind of my uncle who was kind of mean and kind of tough. I was still scared of him. And he was in his 80s and I was in my 20s, okay? This kind of tough man he was. And, and I remember I went to visit with him. He said, I don't want to hear nothing about that. And he used some French. And I'm not talking Parisian, okay? And uh, he, he, he kind of basically said, I don't want nothing to do with that, okay? But here's the deal. I did my part, and God kept his promises. Why did I tell you that story? Because God's going to keep his promises in your life. Whatever you're believing God for, trust him. Trust him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Wait on God. Don't rush the process. Don't try to figure it out yourself. Don't say, well, maybe God needs my help. No, he does not. Trust Him. Stand on that promise. Believe that promise and watch that promise become reality. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you right now that you are God that keeps His promises. God, just as surely as you kept your promise to, to uh, Abraham, you're going to keep your promise to nation Israel, and you're going to keep your promise to us today. And God, there are people in this place today, people watching by Facebook that are standing on some promises, that are believing you for some promises. Lord, it may be a loved one's salvation. God, it may be a breakthrough in the family. God, it may be just be something that is so personal and so difficult to articulate that, God, we can't even spit it out. But, God, you see our heart. 
And God, I pray right now, Lord God, from from that promise, from when that time was, when that promise was given until that promise becomes fulfilled, I pray that you would help us and you would strengthen us. And God, you would send people to encourage us. And God, you would just continue to be faithful. And God, I'm just asking right now that you would help us to be half as faithful to you as you are to us. And I pray for those that are standing on promises, Lord, that we would see the fulfillment of that promise soon and very soon. God, this church has been given promises. We haven't seen them all fulfilled, but we're standing on those promises. God, my family has been given promises. I'm standing on those promises. Each and every one of us today are standing on your promises. Lord, thank you for being faithful to accomplish what your word says you will do. You were faithful to Abraham. You honored his faith. And God, you will honor ours as well. Help us to trust you. Help us to lean on our own understanding. Help us, Lord God, to walk this faith walk out, to watch you do exceedingly, abundantly more. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody would say, Amen.